0: You are talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. I got a bad feeling about this. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. He's looking at you, kid. What we got here is a failure to communicate. You could ask yourself questions. question, do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk?
1: Everybody disagrees with everybody. That would seem to be the theme of MovieForums.com over the last month or so. It is June 12th, 2009 AD, by the way. My name is Chris Boyer. Uh, Starting with new releases like uh, Star Trek, um, moving on to Terminator Salvation the following week, I believe it was. And uh, then on to Drag Me to Hell, we can't seem to form any sort of group consensus on uh, either A, how good these films are, or B, uh, why they're so good or bad. Uh, I've instigated this quite a bit with negative reviews of Terminator Salvation and a uh, very negative review of Drag Me to Hell, um, but it's made for a lot of interesting discussion. Uh, the only film we've really agreed on so far uh, is Up. Uh, pretty much everybody uh, loves that one uh, for varying reasons. Um... And I gotta say, even Land of the Lost now apparently is uh, sparking a little bit of discussion. Some people think it's a fun romp. Other people like myself think it's kind of just, you know, the Will Ferrell show and a little, little goofy, a little sophomoric maybe. But, um, you know, that's what the site's most interesting at points like this where nobody agrees with anybody else. But anyway, uh, this podcast, we're gonna do something, uh, a little special. We'll be getting to that in just a minute. Um, but, uh, first let's, uh, talk about some of the new releases. Um, well, as I mentioned earlier, Up has come out, uh, Pixar's latest, uh, incredibly well reviewed. I think it's at 98% on the tomato meter. Uh, I gave it five stars, and those of you who read my reviews know that I only, I only give five stars, uh, to films maybe, uh, three or four times a year, tops uh, on average. It, it, it's that moving, it's that good. I can't recommend it enough. Uh, similarly, I can't recommend Land of the Lost. It's kind of amusing. If you love Feral, you'll get something out of it. Uh, but it earns its PG-13 rating, and it seems to have, uh, the the humor is a little too mature, and I don't, I mean mature like adult, um, more than I do grown up, um, a little too mature, uh, for, for, um, the kind of people who will appreciate the plot and the goofiness and the, and the slee stacks and the dinosaurs. Uh, but simultaneously, um, it's, it, all that, all that kiddie stuff, so to speak, would probably turn off the kind of people who would like Feral to begin with. So if you can overlook it, you might enjoy yourself, uh, but if you can't, you probably won't, and I don't think there's gonna be a whole lot of overlap there. Uh, But anyway, uh, let's get on to the main attraction here. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what it is right away. I'm actually going to give you a little hint first, and then we're going to dive right into it. So uh, without further ado, uh, here's a little musical cue that should let you know what's coming. Okay, we're going to do something a little bit different today. We're going to talk to uh, one of our members, Mark French, uh, members of the site. Uh, know him, of course, as Mark F. Uh, Mark, thanks very much for uh, taking the time out of your day to talk with us.
0: Oh, that's no big deal, Chris. I I, I keep telling you you can do this any time.
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll call you in the middle of the night and surprise you with uh, random cinematic
0: questions, maybe. Uh, well, you might catch me awake, but <laughs> this this time is probably better.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, this this will work a little better.
0: Um I'll,
1: now I want to talk today uh, as you of course already know uh about uh your favorite film uh, jaws. Um obviously you know you've seen a lot of films that of all the members on our on our site you've I'm going to say you've seen probably as many as uh <laughs> that other regular holden uh, the two of you are probably you know duking it out for that particular title but you've certainly seen a lot of films and you know when we look at these lists the uh, the AFI lists and a lot of other favorite lists a lot of people admire jaws obviously but you know, Usually the top five are films like The Godfather, Citizen Kane, Casablanca. Jaws is admired for its craft, but it doesn't always make its way to the top of those. Um, what is it about, about Jaws that does it for you? Uh, why does it take precedence over basically every other film?
0: Well, uh, Chris, I've mentioned at the site before that uh, I saw Jaws at a very important point in my life. Uh, it was the summer of 1975. I just finished two years of college at... University of California, Irvine. I was a biology major and I was hoping to go to med school and I was getting burnt out on biology. And I'd already gotten to work at the Hollywood Film Archive editing a book and I started getting interested in film. And I had already seen quite a few films on late night television when JAWS came out and I went, feeling kind of down in general because I wasn't sure about my future in college anymore. And I was just so totally, uh, wrapped up in the film that, uh, I just, like, adopted it. Hmm. The members of the, the cast became almost, uh, surrogate family members for me. But, uh, to make a long story short so you can ask me some other questions, <laughs> uh, Jobs basically saved my life and, uh, you know, I'm not saying I wouldn't times or anything, right, but right. it definitely lifted, my, definitely lifted my spirits and it got me uh, recharged to go back to school, got my degree in uh, the minimum amount possible in biology, and I took a whole lot of other film classes after that.
1: Oh, I'll bet. Well, uh, set, set the stage for us a little bit, like the details. For example, uh, did you see it by yourself? Do you remember what time of day it was? What, what, what were the circumstances that led up to that very first time when you ever first saw what would eventually become your favorite movie?
0: Okay, well, I know where I saw it. I saw it at the Lakewood uh, Cinema, the large screen. I think it had about eleven hundred seats. Oh wow! And I always watch. I always watched the uh, the movie. Well, at least back when I was younger, I always would watch the movie somewhere in the first five rows. Oh. Now that I've now that I've gotten old and seen, I like <laughs> I might go back to about the tenth row. But at the time, uh, I saw it with my uh, brother. And we'd already read the book. Uh-huh. We were anticipating it. We were anticipating it. I'd already seen uh, Spielberg's previous film at the drive-in, The Sugar Land Express, which I liked a lot. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty excited to see it. And uh, it came on immediately. I heard the little sound effects in the background of whatever it was. It sounded like fishes to me. And then I started hearing John Williams' score with the familiar refrain, and uh, the kind of what borrowed from Psycho, I think, and then it just kind of kicked in. And that opening scene on the beach with Chrissy and getting in the water and the shark grabbing her, and I don't know, that was it. I was already hooked right there after five minutes.
1: After five minutes, yeah. Well, um, now a lot of people, um, sometimes uh, movies can be very immersive, you know, we kind of find ourselves feeling like we're living in the world, but sometimes, uh, we sort of admire them from outside. We we admire the craft. We're very aware of what the movie's doing to us, but but we enjoy it on that level. W- was it either of those? Was it a mix of both? Did you kind of feel the fright, or did you just admire how well it was generating the fright, if you understand what I mean?
0: Oh, you've got... Okay, remember I said yeah. this place had 1,100 seats, and it was packed.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so it wasn't so much that I had... <laughs> I mean, you were surrounded by fright, uh-huh. I mean, when when the, when the shark grabbed onto the girl at the very beginning, people were screaming. They couldn't, they couldn't hardly take it. It was mm-hmm. so intense. I mean, nobody had ever seen anything like that where even though you don't see the shark, you can imagine what's going on. She's in the mouth of a shark being dragged around the ocean, but she's locked in. People were screaming right then and there. Every scene in the movie that was meant to make people scream made them scream, and I mean, it was... I, Sometimes I would just go back to watch Jaws just to see and hear the audience reaction,
2: oh, because yes. it was a
0: real, it was a real communal experience. Of, it never failed. But uh, you you mentioned something about is it something um, where I you know you could totally relate to the characters and feel like you were in the movie? That is true. I did, but it was all because of Spielberg's direction and the and the script as much as any of the acting goes. So if you want to ask me any questions about uh, those aspects of the film, I, I
1: think I can answer them. Oh, no, I'm sure you could. I'm sure you could. But when you say communal experience, it's kind of like uh, being in a uh, a packed house for a comedy. Uh, it would be a, uh, Both fear and comedy sort of, it can be fed into that way if you're uh, with other people who are afraid or, or laughing.
0: Right. Well, that's the thing about Jaws uh, that I've always said, and people think I'm crazy, but I, I tell them Jaws is a comedy. <laughs> because i laugh at jobs as much as i do at any any mel brooks movie or or uh whatever you want to call uh your favorite comedy
2: mm-hmm. I,
0: I can think of I, I laugh at jobs just as much now sometimes it's because it's a combination of of the scares and the comedy they kind of go hand in hand yeah because once once, once you get a really big scare or a reaction from somebody, it's almost like they have to let off some nervous yes. laughter to, to you know, let out the tension off. But Jaws is just full of funny lines. I don't know how many of them were specifically written for the screen or ad-lib, but it was co-written by Carl Gottlieb, who I mean, was a comedian after all. That's a good so, point. That's a good point.
1: Now you're you're absolutely right. You know, I, people tend to think of comedies and uh, horror films as kind of uh, opposites, but you're you're right. There's there's a connection there. I mean, when 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 we get really scared, what can we do but laugh?
0: Yeah. Well, either that or jump under the seat or run out out the door.
1: <laughs> that would have worked too. Did anyone uh, leave the theater when you first saw it? Did you see one step out?
0: Not just. I had earlier seen people leave the theater for The Exorcist, but. I didn't see anybody leave for Jossie. I remember I was near the front, so it wasn't like I was turning my uh, head behind to uh, (laughs) check that out because I I was too into the movie. I mean, I did see that movie 25 times that summer.
1: 25 times.
0: My goodness. I I told you it, it saved my life. It was like I had to.
1: Now, when you said that you'd seen a lot of films leading up to that, but that this, you know, saved your life and changed the way you look at film, uh, was did you did you love film before that, or was this what kind of did it for you, where it became more than just a diversion?
0: Well, I think this is where I, like I said, I uh, I got so serious about this movie that I basically went ahead and I, uh, in my last uh, two years of college, I took eleven classes that were film classes. So that's Ooh. basically one half of my classes.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: that's quite a bit.
0: So I would think that you could point to that as a turning point.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I was uh always interested in ki- uh, in films as a little kid. I just because they were they were always on back back when there were only seven channels. Uh, you know, <laughs> they had movies on the ABC or NBC or CBS. Oh, between the three of them, there was usually a movie on every night. And so I would watch them. I would watch the local channels, especially the old creature features. And things like that, the the cheapo horror and sci-fi, I kind of grew up on those. Yeah. So, you know, I always liked just watching movies, just being entertained by uh, another world and and all the different things they had to offer. I mean, music, just weird sound effects, anything. I, I don't know why I was thinking I was going to be a doctor in the first place. I <laughs> should have known I really wanted to have something to do with movies.
1: But that sort of brought it into focus for you when you realized that it was a real passion.
0: Well, looking at Jaws, because a lot of people like the poo-poo Jaws as just being for the hoi polloi and, and uh, mass entertainment, popcorn flick, uh, try, try and denigrate it for somehow causing the downfall of Western civilization <laughs> by being a blockbuster. Right. Uh, I look at it as just a, a expertly created technical piece of filmmaking, the editing, the photography, the sound, the music, everything just fits so perfectly together. I always tell people, if you want to study how to make... How to put a movie together effectively? Does that's it. look at Well,
1: that leads into one of my next questions, which was going to be about the uh, the constant uh, suggestion, and I think it's an accurate suggestion that it, that it sort of Jaws sort of gave birth to what we call the sum, the summer blockbuster, the modern summer blockbuster, when people started to realize, hey, wait a second, we can put good films in the summer and they'll make a lot of money. And you're, you're coming at it from a completely a completely different angle. You you're thinking of it as a film, and not so much the effects it had on the business side, I, I suppose, at least to this point. Uh, do you feel like maybe there has been uh, a greater that maybe that's going to be a big part of its legacy that that kind of spawned a lot of imitators either in you know not necessarily in topic uh, uh but but more like in tone.
0: Well, I already know that it's part of its legacy because all you have to do is to go into any website and or Google Jaws and it'll immediately go into that. Or all I have to do is argue with somebody at one of the various uh, um, forums I, I go to, and they'll always they'll always going to mention the fact. That Jaws, you know, is the Antichrist. But at the time that it came out, I never, it didn't have any meaning to me. I, I wasn't thinking that this is something different as far as the way people are going to either exhibit or go to movies, uh, or make movies, or uh, change the way they're going to market movies. It didn't, none of this had any uh, effect on me whatsoever because, you know, whether people realize it or not, the summer was always geared toward a certain type of, you know, popcorn flick, mm-hmm. and I, I'll admit, of the Popcorn Flick is just the most, you know, fulfilling and uh, non-popcorny popcorn flick in my in my world.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, those kind of movies had always come out, but none that had been that popular. Right. Um, I mean, I remember getting in line for The Exorcist and The Godfather and things like that. It didn't really occur to me that it was a seasonal thing. I just, because those, just because those movies came out at a different time of year, it didn't really occur to me that Jaws was doing anything differently. Of course, two years later, uh, when Star Wars came out in May mm-hmm. and uh, tried to recreate and surpass, at least as far as uh, you know, commercially, uh, the phenomena, that's when things really kicked in. And, and besides, as, as Holden mentioned, it's either at, at Ruby Forums or someplace else, he, he even argues that Jaws wasn't really the beginning of the summer blockbuster. It was Star Wars,
2: hmm. and the
0: reason is because of all the tie-ins. Jaws uh, didn't really, Jaws didn't really have all these tie-ins. I mean, people that I recall anyway, of course, you can't remember, I was, uh, 19, so it wasn't like I would wear my Jaws pajamas and go to bed in <laughs> my, my Jaws, uh, heats and everything. But, you know, in 77, everybody would go to the, Uh, fast food place and grab all their star wars figures and have all their star wars uh posters on the wall and their all their bedding and everything star wars was everything so i don't know uh that's my take on the idea yeah anyway if you want to get more in depth I'll, i'll go further
1: Oh, why not? Why not? Yeah, you make a good point. Uh, Jaws doesn't really lend itself to the merchandising kind of tie-ins that Star Wars does, so you could make a pretty good case that, while well, maybe that was the first summer blockbuster movie, it wasn't the first to kind of take advantage of, of all the different forms of media that can be used to make money from movies.
0: Well, yeah, like I'm saying, uh, I could see it, too, just to go to any store. You could, you could see that there was a big difference between Star Wars and, and Jaws as far as... Uh, as how the film was, for example, marketed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing about Jaws that, that I find interesting is, you know, to me, Jaws is an R-rated movie.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
0: Jaws is an R-rated movie, but it's rated PG. Right, uh, right. Even, <laughs> even to this day, it's rated PG. It's not rated PG-13 or anything. Um, I guess it hasn't been resubmitted, and I guess it doesn't have to be resubmitted.
1: It's grandfathered. If you want to
0: re-release if they wanted to re-release Jaws today, it's already been it's already been rated. It's a PG. Th- it's PG.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, that's just kind of interesting to me. Uh, Star Wars obviously is not going to get anything stronger than a PG, or I, I don't know why it could get a PG thirteen. I guess for burning skeletons of, of <laughs> former loved ones or something. But
1: <laughs> who knows what Lucas is going to go back and put in there later?
0: Yeah, he better not.
1: Um, let's get back to the 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 film itself uh well, first of all, you said you saw it twenty five times in the theaters. How many times have you seen it altogether? I imagine you've lost count
0: yeah, I've lost count uh because i even though I am kind and of fastidious and I record uh every time I watch something i have kind of when it gets to a movie that I've seen that many times, I don't even bother to record it unless unless I'm changing my rating for some reason and my rating for Jaws hasn't done anything except to go up
2: <laughs> since
0: I've seen it. So, uh, you know, I could safely say 100 times all the way through, Mm -hmm. but uh, I really have, and it would have to be the movie I've seen the most, and I know people are going, oh, French, 100 times, what a lightweight, you know, because I've seen, uh, you know, I've seen Bambi meets Godzilla 750 times. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's only five minutes long or whatever, but no, I, I I know there are people who love their movies and will have watched, you know, when I say I watched it 25 times and in one summer uh, they'll say that I, I, I've i done that a million times but uh, am I getting off topic?
1: No, no, no not at all well, how many times ty- uh, let, let me uh you another question here. Um, how has your appreci- appreciation of it uh, changed over time? You said that you loved it right away from the very first scene before it was even over. Uh, how, how has it changed over the years? Has your Do you appreciate certain things more, certain things less? And also, is there anything maybe picked up on after a number of viewings that you didn't pick up on those first few times?
0: Well, my mind kind of plays tricks with me because sometimes I think that there's something missing from the film. And you, when you watch it, On on DVD, for example, you can see there are a couple of scenes that that look awkward. There's a scene uh, when Richard Dreyfuss is looking at the remains of Chrissy Watkins and he holds out a severed arm and he says, this is what happens. And then he doesn't say anything. (laughs) It's like there's something missing. And, And I would swear, although I can't tell you what it is, that there was something there when I saw it. But, you know... If it was there, I I don't know why it isn't there now. There's there's also a, a kind of a technically flubbed scene. I mean, I'm not saying that, that I love movies to be technically perfect, because I don't think any of course. movie is. Right. But, but there's a scene where uh, Hooper and uh, Brody are out uh, looking for Ben Harper's boat, and uh, he's, got his, he's got his sonar, and it kind of goes off, and you're looking at the sonar reading, and all of a sudden, there's kind of like some blacks wiggly stuff covering part of the sonar screen Mm -hmm. and you're just saying to yourself what what is that doing there well what why is that there (laughs) you know um none of it uh you know causes me to lose any uh any sleep it doesn't it doesn't depreciate what i think of the film um things that i things Picked up well. Obviously, at some point you have to keep picking up on things. There's so many things going on in Jaws, for example. Uh If you watched it at the theater with everybody screaming and yelling and laughing, you gotta miss things.
2: Yeah. The first yeah. few
0: times you watch it, you just can't hear it. Mm-hmm. So as far as the hearing part, yeah, I, I, I missed quite a few things. I mean, I'm gonna tell you, for example, when they the, when they take out the uh, the the roast. And try and hook it up to, uh, debate bait it for the shark.
2: Mm-hmm. And this
0: is the one that pulls the pier apart. The small pier that the two guys are on. And, and, uh, the shark takes the roast out in the pier and then it turns around and comes back and the one guy's telling, telling the other to, you know, take my word for it. Charlie, swim, swim. And the pier's coming and everything. And people were freaking out in the theater during that whole scene. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, uh, the pier kind of smashes up against the, uh, the beach there, and, and the one guy says, can we go home now? <laughs> now, I, I never could have heard that the first few times I watched it, because people, even in a scene like that, people are, are screaming out loud. Right,
2: right. But,
0: but um, you know, this is something I would have to think about. Um, the main thing I, I got from Jaws, you know, the first few times I watched it, was just, you know, pure exhilaration, thrills, comedy, communal experience, uh, seeing a film put together so perfectly especially the second half especially the part out on the orca
2: quince mm-hmm. boat oh yeah
0: um it was, it was just thrilling to me now obviously uh, i would have picked up more things about how perfect it is after that and i don't know if i want to go into all those right now but you can tell me if i should
1: oh uh, well if, if anything comes to mind is it something maybe that That, you know, obviously, one of the hallmarks, at least for my favorite films, is that they're films that I usually liked right off the bat, and then I start asking myself questions about them, watch them again, and I think, oh, why did they do this? And then I realize why they did it, and it makes perfect sense, and I realize that they they thought through everything. So I guess I guess what I'm asking is, are there any instances in which you, you know, maybe you didn't, maybe you liked it just fine the first time, but as you looked closer, it it, it was more and more detailed, richer than you'd realized the first time. Does anything stand out?
0: Well, of course, it took me several times, even though I totally related to the characters, but it took me several times to actually re- realize that, that Jaws was a character-driven movie. I mean, it had so many thrills and so much laughs and, and just pure entertainment. You, you almost take for granted that the three central characters and even all the supporting characters are just so strong. And, uh, you know, and, but they're all kind of antagonistic toward each other. They all have their own flaws and strengths. But somehow they, they get all their flaws together, and they somehow overcome their strengths. And and that takes a lot, though, because uh, mm-hmm. Quint, boy, I love Quint, <laughs> I love Robert Cobb, and boy, that guy is really a flawed character.
1: Yes, yes. So, yeah, maybe the first few times you see it, you know, the focus is on the shark or something, and you're saying that after a little while, you kind of realize, no, wait a second, these are really fleshed out, uh, very well-drawn characters.
0: Yeah, for example, that scene around the dinner table, uh, after yes. Steve Brody laughed and read the riot act by, uh, Alex Kittner's mom, where, yeah, where the chief is just totally depressed and kind of plays a little hand gesture game with his, his with his youngest son. And then, uh, that's very moving and very honest and believable. And then, and then Hooper shows up with wine and starts eating off off the chief's plate.
1: <laughs> it's
0: a great team. And you see, it just totally tells you everything there is to know about the characters, practically. But it's all done very full of humanity and humor. And then they turn around and go right out, cut the shark open. Uh, he didn't need a car, did he? And then they go out and look for, for uh, well, they don't go out looking, but they, they go out and find Ben Gardner's boat. And it just flows so smoothly. I don't know what to say, but Jobs really relates to me as a, like I said, almost a family uh Meeting my family or something. I, I I I got along really well with my family, and my my parents were both starting to get a little bit sick in the seventies, mm-hmm. and I took care of them a lot. And it wasn't like I, I went to Jaws to get away from them or anything, mm-hmm. but uh, my my parents were quite a bit older than I was, so um, seeing seeing the characters in Jaws. I mean, my parents were more like my grandparents' age,
2: uh-huh.
0: and some people probably know in, in reality they ended up being my grandparents but i didn't know that at the time
2: mm-hmm.
0: but um anyhow just seeing the characters in John, especially uh, the richard Dreyfuss character Hooper, he he just reminded me of me he was <laughs> you know he was just a smart ass yeah so i liked him
1: <laughs> <laughs> i think yeah i think i, I think any uh, any uh, any young person who saw that film at that time probably he probably had to be pretty much everyone's favorite character
0: i just, well I like him just uh, by himself, but when he interacted with anybody else, especially him and and Quint having their contests over who's who's more manly and who's right. going to catch the shark, you know, like Quint crushing the beer can and Hooper crushing the styrofoam cup. I mean, and then of course the uh, they have the uh, uh, tattoo contest and the scar contest and everything mm-hmm. else.
1: Yeah, and that and that exact thing is uh, that we've we've seen that exact sort of scene in so many movies since too.
0: Yeah, it's been stolen so many times, but none of them ever ended with the story of the Indianapolis report.
1: No, okay. and then no—that leads into another question I was going to ask you. I'm—I'm I'm going to, I'm going to put, give you a pretty tough one here. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Uh, I was going to ask you what your favorite scene was, and then I thought, you know what, I can't just do that because it's too obvious. Can you give us a, what would be your favorite scene other than Quint's speech? Because I guess pretty much everyone's going to say that.
0: Well, it would probably be. Now I don't know if I have to be clean here. Um, <laughs> um, no, you don't. No, you don't.
1: Uh, if I need if I need to make something beep, I don't know, I can. You say whatever you want.
0: Okay. Well, a series of scenes all on the ship. I, I really love the scene where uh, the chief is told that he has to get the chum line going. Mm-hmm. And uh, the chief wants Hooper to do it. And Quint tells him, well, Hooper drives the boat chief. And chief says to well, I can drive the boat. Why don't you just come on down here and chum some of this <laughs> and as he tosses the chum, the, the chopped up fish, the shark pops his head up silently and the chum lands on the shark's head and the mm-hmm. shark drops right down. Well, the only person who's seen it is the chief. Right. And he's got he's got a cigarette in his mouth and he, he doesn't say a thing. Nothing. nothing. And he just kind of walks backwards with his little smoke coming out of his uh, mouth there and that's when he says you're going to need a bigger boat <laughs> yeah,
1: the timing you know i think a lesser director would have just had him scream or something and no one would believe him or anything but you're right it's a very patient well-timed uh, well-timed line
0: and then of course uh, even though a lot of people will complain well hey the the shark is great when you don't see him but then when you see too much of him Oh, he looks too fake, or, or something. And I I disagree. I mean, it's a movie. Right. Nobody's gonna think it's a real shark in the first place. Yeah. And I think I think that shark is, to me, is more believable than any fake CGI shark I've seen since.
2: I agree. I don't I care. If,
0: I don't care if he's a machine, plastic. The his teeth look made out of metal. I don't care what he think he looks like. For that kid, that jaw, that jaw is a character. a Strong character. And the thing is, he's sneaky.
1: He's very sneaky, isn't he? For a big guy.
0: So, so for example, there, there's the the scene, the whole bit at the end where Hoop, it's kind of hard to say which part of this is, is where the scene ends because mm-hmm. it's just put together. So, you know, spectacularly, you know, Hooper has to go down in the anti-shark cage, you know, farewell and adieu to fair Spanish ladies. And <laughs> that gets taken apart to, to shreds. And it looks like Ho- Hooper's going to get eaten up. And then the, the chief and Brody have to bring the the busted up shark cage. And then immediately as the shark cage comes up, uh, the shark jumps up on the boat, which is already sinking. Mm-hmm. with the back end in, and hey, that, that shark, I mean, he's been doing his exercise. He's been pulling the ship around <laughs> all day. So no wonder he could get himself up there and just start chawing uh, down on uh, Quint. Yeah. Because that scene is always mind-boggling to me. I mean, that's oh, yeah. R-rated. If, if any movie scene is an R-rated scene, Oh, yeah. And, and then, and then, then Quint is pretty much gone with all the blood all over his face. Shark, shark kind of drops back down in the ocean. And three seconds later, the shark is busting through the, the ship again with mm. Quint's uh, flesh all over his teeth ready to eat uh, Brody.
1: He's relentless, he's relentless. And, uh, yeah, yeah I hope,
0: you're... I hope people, uh, think that I like this movie.
1: I <laughs> think it does, yeah. Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope so. And you're, you know, you're right. There's something that just, it, you can't replace, uh, actual physical matter. You know, to know that there actually was not a shark, but something the size of a shark, something bigger, an actual physical, even if it's only a machine, an actual physical thing that that actor is sitting in right there. You know, he's really there and that's really there. And I think, uh, this might be apocryphal, but I, I think the, uh, legend goes that, uh, they named the shark Bruce after Steven Spielberg's lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> I've always loved that. Uh, all right, last thing on my mind Mark. Um I kind of already asked you this before, but it, you said earlier that, you know, it, it saved your life. It came along at, at, at a crossroads of your life really and, and changed what you did with the rest of your life. Um I have to ask the obvious question of course. Do you think that is one of the reasons it's your favorite or do you think uh do you think uh, you'd you'd admire it just as much anyway?
0: It's kind of hard for me to separate that uh mm-hmm. into well, what do you think and what don't you think. For my way of looking at it, it'd probably still be my favorite. I've always really loved Elmer Gantry, which I saw on television several times before I saw Jaws. That, that really has deep personal, uh, meaning to me. And I always used to go along saying, well, it's pie. Can't pick Jaws or Elmer Gantry, Jaws or Elmer Gantry. And I probably will admit that I pushed Jaws over the edge because of the, you know, what we talked about what I did in the summer of seventy five is maybe being a little more personal Mm -hmm. uh and having more you know a personal effect on how my life turned out. But and I know this might be a little off topic, uh I I try to tell people at the site to uh try and be as objective as possible when looking at uh at movies and I realize now that you've heard me talk about (laughs) Jaws saying that I'm objective about Jaws is probably ridiculous. No, but no. if I could somehow go back and redo it all with fresh eyes, you know, say I was a film major at the time. You see, this is the point. Let's say I was going to college. And I was a film major. Yeah. I can't see how I still wouldn't think the same about Jaws.
1: Right, right. And, and you know, you're right. We can't we can't separate those things out. They're a part of our lives, and uh, they're informed by our lives. And uh, you know, I think that's as good a reason as any. All right. Uh, Mark French, thank you so much for your time and your insights. And uh, I don't think I need to encourage anyone listening to go out and watch Jaws. I hope most of them have already, but uh, why not go out and watch it again? Huh?
0: Yeah, I'd like them to go out and watch it just so they can tell me, because uh, I, I haven't heard enough, you know, enough times uh, when an maybe I am. So I can hear that a few more times.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Mark French, thank you so much for your time.
0: Thanks, Chris. wild them in the end you've got a hit you can have flaws, problems but wild them in the end and
2: you've got a hit